It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth on Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest here on Moment of Truth is Zachariah Kanuk. He is a filmmaker, sculptor, and visual artist based in Igloolik, Nunavut, and he has refined filmmaking in Canada and has been at the forefront of innovative use of broadcast technology in the North. He's perhaps best known for his debut feature film, Adenarjuak, The Fast Runner, from 2001. It was the first Canadian feature film produced entirely in Inuktitut. And Arajuak, the fast runner, won six Genie Awards and was ranked number one in Canadian film of all time in 2015 from a poll conducted by the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, Zacharias is also the co-founder of Azuma Productions, the first independent Inuit-led film production company in Canada, and he continues to create groundbreaking work in Canadian and Inuit film industries. Zacharias, welcome to the show. You're working in the north, and I understand that you have been working uh, to create a new uh, TV network. Yes. Ugavut TV is owned by the Nunavut Independent Television Network, or NITV. So, a little bit more about NITV. It is an Inuit-owned and controlled nonprofit northern online distributor. It was founded in 1991 in Igluluk, Nunavut, as a training center for Inuit community filmmaking. NITV is dedicated to enhancement and preservation of Inuktitut and Inuit culture through creation and exhibition of Inuit video and linking of Nunavut communities through internet television channels and local access internet TV media training and digital literacy initiatives. Ugavut TV launched on January 18th of 2021 this year and it broadcasts right across Canada 724. And so congratulations on that. Yes, thank you. So, you know, that's only part of the story though because this network that you've created, this television network, it is part of the Nunavut Independent Television Network. Correct. And it was created to actually be a training area for people in the north. Is that right? For for film and television and live broadcast? Um, with NITV, uh, we've been experimenting um, ever since the internet came. And up here in the Arctic, the internet is snail, slow, mm. and very expensive. Right. So we've been trying to find uh, ways of... Um, how how can we broadcast? Because we started in 1985, mm. and every time we we would take our work to a, a TV network, they would want it English or French. Mm. But what I've been doing is putting in subtitles to other language. Yes, because I was so scared that it would look like a bad kung fu movie <laughs> and 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 we wanted you know to hear inuktitut so mm-hmm. our children grandchildren will learn more so we've been working in all these years 35 years independent um trying to show our work hardly in a place to go. Uh, so we started 
showing our work through the internet. First, it was ISMI TV, then uh, NITV uh, created Google TV. Uh, so finally, we're now at the stage of warming up the engine. <laughs> Well, that's good to hear. Now, I know that um, APTN would carry some Inuit broadcasting. Uh, they may still, I'm not sure. I know they, they had a north and a south feed at one point where it would be carrying some of that. Is that still going on? Were you guys ever involved with APTN at all? We were uh, hardly, I mean, it's maybe one project uh, mm. we were involved, uh, but not really. Okay. Uh, we've been showing our work through the internet. Ah, okay. And and so now that you have this uh, television uh, launched, uh, so as, as I say, congratulations, January 18th is when it went live. The other thing about this, uh, Zach, is that there's a very important reason that uh, the television network can now broadcast. And that is that there's this ongoing issue that uh, you're going to be broadcasting some hearings that are going on, correct? Yes, that's correct. And also, um, what I want to say is because technology is evolving. Yes. Um, smaller and faster. Um, and we're just following this and with technology, it's now we are now able to show it through TV. Uh, what st- what started this was with the old cable format that the small countries have, that small communities have, mm. like Igloric. We've been showing our work uh, through the local co-op cable system mm. to the community mm-hmm. but ever since they changed to HD we got bumped off oh yeah but they all they kept running the old uh, system uh, they kept running our channel what ha- what what's happening was other people with crop cable can't see it all the people who are not subscribe in HD, can't see it. So uh, mm. we went to the co-ops and we want to get into the new HD uh, channels. Mm. But they told us uh, uh, we buy our programming from Shah. So mm. we went to Shah. And staff, they work, I think, I don't know. How long? How many months they were talking with Shaw? Right. And our CEO, uh, Lucy Tulugandji, who's the CEO of NITV, uh, being <laughs> non-stop working. Mm. Um, so it's, this is really new. Um, with APTN, we were. Uh, we weren't hardly on, but IBC was on like five mm. hours a week. Right. And now, uh, it's, it's now, I don't have the right figures, but we're on now 168, is it? 167 hours a week. Mm. Inukit. Mm. That's uh, 500% up. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Well, that that's wonderful. Now, you mentioned Shaw. You're being broadcast on Shaw then for the HD channel? Uh, they couldn't give us a HD, but they gave us SD. But, right. Um, but that is... That is getting there. Maybe some years down the road, right. well, they'll offer us HD because the format we work is in HD. Is that? Can you give us a sense? You know, for people in the South that have a, a strong connection, great cable, great uh, internet connection, and don't have issues with the kind of uh, things that you experience in the North. We all know about. We've heard about some of the stories, and hopefully that's going to improve uh, shortly with some of the announcements that the government has made, and also with some of the technological advances uh, that are being made. As I'm sure you've heard about the new Starlink service, you know, from Elon Musk that has their low-orbit satellites that are going in. Uh, maybe you've heard about that. But what are the kind of experiences that you have as challenges to try and get uh, film uh, and communication going for entertainment, for the kind of language programming that you want to put out there? What are the kind of things that you are, you are seeing as a challenge technologically? To send it out, what are the challenges? And also, what are the, what are the, the challenges on the receiving end? Um, what we what we used to do when we were in the community TV, one of the one of our staff invented this um, hard drive that uh, could download overnight HD, and it's in the system. So mm. we just play that right uh, through the modulator to through the head end of the cable system. And the community gets it. Right. Um, but in my laptop, when I'm at watching videos at YouTube, uh, sometimes when we started, uh, it would freeze. Hmm. Sometimes when you want to download a movie, uh, you hardly can't. Hmm. You have to do it overnight. Right. Uh, your connection have to be good, and your connection screw up. You you have to restart. Mm. Uh, it was frustrating, very frustrating. Uh, and, but as we go, it's, it's getting better. Uh, yes, I did heard about that satellite that been marked uh, that they fixed it facing more to the north. I heard about that yesterday. Uh, so. Yeah, internet is getting seems to be getting better. And and what are you hearing about from what the government is is hoping to do for the north in terms of increasing internet uh, viability and, and getting more you know, something more in place that is more robust so that there is a, a better communication in, into your area and beyond. I'm smiling uh, because uh, we hear a lot of promises made. A lot of money put into uh, internet, right? But we don't see it. Nobody tells us ah, your internet is better because mm. the government gave us money. So a lot of promises in there that uh, I'm. And there's so many of them that you sort of don't believe it, right? Right. Oh man. How many people are there in your community where you uh, where you live right now? Eagle Lake must 
uh, I don't know the exact amount, but we're pretty close to 2,000, if not over. Okay. In that area. Right. Uh, Zach, I wanted to get to the other reason that it's important that your television network is on the air and it is something that impacts the North and it has to do with an open pit mine um, that is expanding, correct? Or wants to expand? Um, we're on trial right now. Uh, and there's, um, it has to be, everything has to, these analog programs have to be digitized. The old format has to be digitized. Uh, mm. Because this, in the Western Arctic, there's Inuvialuit who has, the, the, they, they make television shows. And in northern Quebec, they make television right. shows. These are shows. And in Labrador, they make uh, films too. And just imagine if we get all these in you know, TV. Mm. And we plan, we are reaching out to them. And then we'll reach out to probably Greenland and Alaska. Mm. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates as well as ELMNTFM and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also listen to us on our website at elementfm.ca and you can also listen to us on your favorite podcasting platforms. My guest is Zacharias Kanu. He is a filmmaker, sculptor, and visual artist, and he is based in Iglulik, and that is where I am speaking to him from in Nunavut. It's a pleasure to have him on the show. You may know him from his film, Atanarjwag, and that came out in 2001, and I remember seeing that film. It was uh, the first Canadian feature film produced entirely in Inuktitut, and it also was Canada's number one film of all time in 2015 from a poll conducted by the Toronto International Film Festival. But we're talking with Zach today about a couple of things. One, a new television network that has been launched in the north and is being broadcast across Canada, and it is called Ugavut TV. And it went live on January uh, 18th, so it's now broadcasting. But it's also broadcasting uh, on a very specific cause as well, on a contested expansion for uh, an open pit mine that has been operating, I guess, since about 2014. Zach, is that correct? Yes. And what you're planning on doing with these broadcasts is you're going to be broadcasting the hearings on this, but you're not only going to be broadcasting the hearings, you're all, they're also going to be translated into English and Inuktitut, I understand, at the same time. And, and so you can bring this information to the people in the north that are, that are going to be affected by any expansion by this uh, pit mine. Exactly. Um, we can use TV. Uh, we've been experimenting how to do live shows. Mm -hmm. Last year, we were live from the Flow Edge to Venice, where we, we, we had a show for, we had a show there in Venice, and, uh, and I would appear in the middle of nowhere, down at the Flow Edge, down by the shore, <laughs> on the ice. Oh, yeah. So we're now experimenting how to put things live. Hmm. And there's new tools that uh, we are using. And uh, it's just, you know, we're just, I mean, after 
I don't know how well it will we will do, but um, the hearings with uh, this COVID nineteen mm. hearings, uh, everybody is in uh, in Paninlet, in Iqaluit, mm. in Ottawa, mm. maybe some in Toronto. Uh, so it will be um, translated right into Inuktitut in to English. So, so we we're planning to broadcast that life. Mm. Right. And um, as you say, you know, this open iron pit mine, it's raised concern among the the Inuit and the non-government uh, groups over land and water contamination, the impact of the, on the caribou and marine mammals, as well as the implications for the um, Inuvik lifestyle and livelihood, language, culture, all of those things that could be effa- affected by expansion. This phase two expansion includes building a 110-kilometer rail link to double from six million to 12 million metric tons of ore shipping annually from Baffin Island's North Port uh, near Pond Inlet, as uh, you mentioned there. It could add about 18 million metric tons uh, previously approved from, uh, uh, from the south route. It could increase the bulk tanker shipping uh, fivefold as well. Zach, technology has changed a lot. In the last little while, even from uh, 2001 when you uh, when your film came out to now, those advances are making it easier in many ways, aren't they? Things have become a lot smaller, uh, a lot lighter. Uh, the quality of, of film, of course, has, has increased exponentially. Uh, so are, are, there, are there advances that you are seeing that are making life easier for you in this area as well? Definitely, because when we used to use tape... Hmm. And tape freezes. Yeah, mm. uh, and we could we could do little. Well, our equipment is not frozen. Uh, what used to happen to us, our viewfinder would freeze first, mm. so we don't know what we're shooting. But it, <laughs> when you go back to the editing table, you've been shooting all along. To uh, to memory cards was right. the answer to our prayers. Right. Same with the GPS. Mm. <laughs> uh, with memory card, you have no moving parts in the camera. Right. So it got it got really good in the cold weather. Mm. Uh, but we were still we were still making uh, coats, sheepskin coats for mm. our cameras and audio equipments. <laughs> um, well, that's how we invent uh, as we go, and that's how we work. Right. How many people do you think might be tuning in once these broadcasts start to go live and, and you start to bring this information to people? you have any idea how many people might be tuning in? Could be a lot. Mm. Not only the, the Arctic, because we know Inuit will be watching, mm. but how far can Shar go? That's mm. what we'll be broadcasting. Is there going to be a way for people to give feedback or contribute in any way? I think um, because with Zoom now, uh, people start broadcasting mm. by Zoom. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, Lucy would know better than me because right. how they they, right. they want to show this. Uh, right. Because people were appear on screen so from Toronto to Pondelet mm. uh, 
so yeah, yeah, it might be. Yeah, it's going to be possible. Now you're going to be doing interviews. I understand as well. You're going to be doing some of that. I understand from Zoom up in uh, Igloolik. Um, we're sending uh, our crew, and they will do interviews on site uh, when they take a break. Uh, oh, I see. Try to do some interviews. Right. Uh, our crew is going to panel it. Uh, so. I mean, I'm not, I used to do all this, but uh, now we're younger, right. we're training, we're younger people. <laughs> right. <laughs> let, let them. <laughs> right. And, and I guess, is Pond Inlet where the uh, hearings are taking place? Yeah, Pond Inlet uh, uh, has the hunters and trappers there and the hamlet. Mm. Uh, so it's a mo- it's the closest community to Mary River mm. mine. Right. And so uh, we wanted to talk to people. Right. What they think. And Zach, are you doing anything um, in, in, in the way of uh, new films or projects that might be coming out? Uh, we're supposed to do another future uh, this spring. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a lot going on. I just finished um, stop motion, uh, 20 minutes stop motion mm. and animation on Shaman's Apprentice. Mm. Uh, uh, so that's, that will be on this channel. Right. Uh, Great. So, yeah. uh, Zach, is there anything else that we haven't spoken about either around the television or around this, uh, these hearings that, that will be, uh, you'll be following with the, the new television network that we haven't spoken about that you want to mention? We were going to have a launch celebration launch date on the 27th, mm-hmm. but our community co-op burned down. Oh, uh, one day. Oh, uh, we have no more cable in Glorix, so oh. uh, we we will try to broadcast uh, because <laughs> we're, we're building a, a shack here that looks like a traditional during mm. in the olden days that mm. we want to broadcast uh, shows from. Mm. Uh, somebody will be attending the sea oil lamp and making maybe meds and mm. they'll talk to the camera and have guests and Great. maybe somebody down the road uh, will pull in a dead seal and we'll cut it up and cook it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Sounds great. And so people, can people in the South also get this on Shaw then? Absolutely. Wow, that's great. That's good news. Congratulations, Zach, once again. And congratulations on the new television network. Wish you all the best with that. And the potential uh, new project that you may be putting together uh, later on in the spring. We just want to wish you all the best and hope you're doing well. Yes, Okay, bye-bye. Bye. That is Zach Kunick. He is a filmmaker, sculptor, and visual artist based in Iglulik, Nunavut, which is where I was speaking to him from. You may know him as the filmmaker that brought us The Fast Runner, or Atanarjuak. That is in 2001. It was the first Canadian feature film produced entirely in Inuktitut. It's been a pleasure speaking with him about the new television network they have going. It is... Ugavut TV, and it launched on January 18th of this year, 2021. They're going to be broadcasting 
upcoming sessions having to do with live coverage of a controversial hearings on a Baffin Island Mary River mine expansion. That's this part of the show. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Hey, welcome back to Moment of Truth here on Element FM in Ottawa and Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, as well as anywhere across the country on the Radio Player Canada app and also on your favorite streaming platforms. I'm your host, David Moses. It is a pleasure to welcome to the show David Brown, the CEO of FSET, and it is a uh, an internet service provider, uh, as well as an information technology service company that provides service to the north. They're based out of Kenora, Ontario, and so uh, David, it's a pleasure to to have you here on the show today. Thank you uh, for the invitation. Always happy to uh, share, uh, you know, what we know, what we've learned with with others that uh, will hopefully help them and uh, in their journey. Mm. Yeah. Before we get started, and we're here to talk about a pretty interesting story that's happening with uh, broadband internet in the north. I understand that FSET, your your company, is uh, is working with uh, Starlink, which of course is a SpaceX, and uh, providing service into Bikangicum. But just before we get there, um, can you tell us a little bit more about your company? And as I say, you're based out of out of uh, Kenora. What are the services that you guys provide? Sure. So we've been around for about 20 years or so. We founded in in 1999, starting out as a a local uh, information technology and services company. Uh, We started to expand and extend uh, our services across the region uh, here in northwestern Ontario uh, into Manitoba. And now we're doing business, uh, you know, right across the province, Quebec uh, and other areas. So we have a a focus and a specialty on uh, law enforcement, on healthcare services, uh, coming up with what we think to be forward and progressive um, thinking uh, solutions uh, to try and solve problems and and allow people within those different industries uh, to be able to do their jobs more effectively, more efficiently. So we provide desktop as a service, so hosted solutions, uh, IT staffing and support, and uh, and consulting services to help people navigate information technology and, and services uh, who don't necessarily have. Um, sometimes it's not that they don't have the people on staff, it's that they don't have enough people on staff. Mm. So sometimes it's just a matter of bandwidth and they need somebody who can do some R&D or help out or has done some, some exploration, has put together a solution. Mm. Other times you're dealing with small organizations, uh, nonprofits and things like that that don't have much of a budget, if any. Mm. And uh, need a little bit of help, so we we jump in and pitch in where we can. Being in the north and working with the north, what are some of the challenges that people that are so wired and so connected in the south may not realize that that you are dealing with, and that other people in the north are dealing with on a daily basis? Something that that we may not realize. Well, I, I don't think we can complain here in in you know Kenora, Dryden, Fort Francis, mm-hmm. which are smaller municipalities and cities. Um, as you get into the more rural municipalities, the smaller uh, townships and things like that, as you start to uh, go to some of these indigenous communities, um, you realize that the access to connectivity isn't there uh, or it's very little. And what they do have really doesn't allow them to have the quality of life that most of us take for granted. So 
we had to come up with a different way uh, to help and uh, overcome those challenges. And the traditional means through terrestrial based solutions, working with telecommunication, telecommunication companies just wasn't an option and, and wasn't proving fruitful. So we had to do something different. Hmm. Um, so I remember a couple of months ago, we heard the story about uh, SpaceX uh, bringing broadband satellite service uh, through their, their uh, low orbit satellite system to Canada and to remote communities. Now, am I to understand, though, that, that you reached out to SpaceX? Is that how this went? It, it is. I just at a point after eight months of, of working on this project and uh, being frustrated with the, the lack of progress and the assistance that I was able to provide uh, to Pukangicum, uh, not necessarily through any fault of my own. It just it just isn't an option. There isn't a path. So it was at that point I just I knew of this uh, Leo satellite uh, constellation solution that was uh, being built, being created, being worked on. I didn't realize how far along SpaceX was in this process uh, and how close uh, we were to actually being able to implement it. But yeah, basically I just started trying to ask anyone and everyone if they had a contact at SpaceX, tried reaching out to people on LinkedIn that worked for the company. And eventually I was put in touch with, with some individuals who, uh, you know, we couldn't have done this without them and and without their support. So um, yeah, I mean, Ask the girl you got a crush on uh, to dance, and all, all you can do is hope she says yes, right? So, yeah. Well, that's great. That's wonderful news. So, and you know, so why I asked that question is we heard, you know, it was SpaceX that had sort of initiated, or at least it seemed to, to sound like that. But uh, now what, from what I understand is it's you, you're the one that reached out and this is, is now blossomed into something that could actually benefit uh, many, many remote communities. In this case, yes, uh, particular to Pekangicum, obviously this is a technology that was uh, on its way and, and uh, would eventually reach and will eventually reach all Canadians in, in underserved communities. Um, but there was a sense of, uh, of need in Pekangicum um, and it was about quality of life. Not once did they ever ask about Netflix or mm. uh, games or gaming or anything like that. Every conversation, every request was about just simple services that uh, that COVID especially has necessitated mm. us to be online for. So, right. um, you know, the technology was there. It was coming. I didn't invent anything. I didn't, uh, you know, I, I think I might have been the most stubborn person um, uh, to, to, to go out and try and make this happen, to just simply not take no for an answer and not give up on, on trying to solve the problem. But uh, I certainly didn't come up with anything or invent anything. I just just, uh, you know, kind of dug my teeth in and, and didn't let go. Right. Uh, David, of course, we know that fiber optics is 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 great for internet connectivity. It gives you a lot of options, gives you a lot of great speed, and allows you to, uh, to transfer a lot of information very quickly. As we know, that isn't, isn't an option at this point in time. How is the, this uh, SpaceX and Starlink service? You know, I saw the little video that you guys put together on this, and, uh, and you guys show the process of going through it, and within a very short, short period of time of setting up the equipment, you know, somebody's got their phone and they're showing us 
how how the service is uh, megabits per second are, are coming in through the through that uh, line, and it's a, a huge difference. So what what is this service actually doing that is that is different than say I don't know other other satellite or other uh, uh, wireless kind of networks? Uh, well, your typical explorer net type. Uh, service, uh, which is geostationary satellites that are typically, you know, uh, tens of thousands or however many kilometers above the earth. Um, they can be used for consumption uh, in some cases, but this, the service isn't great. It's very, very expensive. It's costly and uh, it requires um, someone to come and do the installation for you. I haven't talked to anybody, especially, you know, for a business case where they said I've used Explorer net and it's, it's beautiful. It does mm-hmm. everything we get to do. That just, that just isn't something or a feedback or a view you get. They are constantly looking for something else, something more. They've tried it. They cancel it. Um, Starlink technology is, is Leo. So uh, low earth orbiting uh, and it's a constellation of satellites. They're uh, up around 1,000 satellites now. They're wow. putting another 60 up every two weeks or so, so wow. 120, give or take, a month. And um, it's only a couple hundred, you know, a few hundred kilometers above the Earth's atmosphere. So um, you've got something that is much more reliable in terms of the uh, – so you, not only do you get better speeds – but I think what's equally important to discuss is the latency, because the latency is really what allows you to do business, to be able to operate in real time. And even for recreational purposes, the ability for kids to be online and, and play games and things like that. Uh, if you don't have a decent latency, you have you can have the fastest connection in the world, but you're going to have a lot of problems because of that latency. So because of this Leo technology, uh, that latency is very, very low. It's very comparable to what we see in Kenora with uh, cable or fiber. Um, so it, it levels the playing field and, and really provides access to all of the online services and resources that uh, communities like the Kanjikum are in need of. It's really fascinating, and of course, it's wonderful to hear that that service is available. Um, now, you say it's fairly it's fairly comparable to to a fiber internet service. Well, from a latency perspective, okay. so we from a download, you know, again, most people focus on the speed, but yes. we were seeing 120, 130, as you see in the video down, mm. and that was within 15, 20 minutes of landing. Right. Um, th- there is nothing to the installation that the average person I don't think would be comfortable doing. Uh, I could see maybe a more elderly person if they have to put something on the roof right. and don't feel comfortable climbing up on the ladder. Um, but for the most part, you unbox the unit, which is what we did. We put it on the ground outside of the, the health authority there in Pekanjikum. And within 15 to 20 minutes of landing in the community, I'm video conferencing uh, with the people there. And it's that simple. The dish has actuators in it. It positions itself. You don't, oh, really? need, a, uh, you don't need a technician to come and do that for you. Um, so you run the cable inside your home. So if, as long as you're comfortable, you've got a path in the home or you need to drill a hole, you're comfortable doing that. You plug it in and away you go. So it's that easy to set up. Uh, you get service that quickly, uh, eventually. So right now the public beta, uh, if you were to get selected or you get an invite for the public beta, you order the system, you get the system within days and within the days of receiving the system, you're online within minutes. And you now have high-speed internet access. It might not be gigabit, you know, right. not yet. Yep. But 
as this is kind of what I say is the floor, not the ceiling. What you're seeing is not, um, you know, the best it's going to be. This is just the start right. of something incredible. So it only gets better from here. The more satellites that are that uh, go into orbit, the better the performance, the better the coverage, the more coverage uh, that is available. And uh, once they get the, uh, the KA application, I believe it is, so mm. the approval for that, they can then start to put gateways in in Canada and they will then be able to reach even further north and help the people beyond uh, beyond Pacanjicum and, and uh, up around 52 degrees latitude. So uh, hopefully those come from from ISED and the, and the Canadian government sooner than later. And the sooner we get those approvals and uh, get the green light, the sooner, well, not we, but the sooner SpaceX uh, can put the gateways in Canada and uh, cover all of the country. So, uh, Do you see this as a service that is only right now it is for the north but it could can it service the south as well if people wanted to get a wireless service like this i think the service is going to be for anyone who doesn't have internet access um you know crtc has said that uh, their target for canadians is uh, 50 down and 10 up um they don't speak much about latency but that's important but i think mm-hmm. you know this service already meets and uh, greatly exceeds those minimum requirements but you don't have to be in the north to take advantage of it this is a solution that is going to provide access to people around the globe to uh, locations in africa that might be hard to reach to places in the caribbean that might be hard to reach in the us obviously in europe so this solves a problem that traditional solutions terrestrial based solutions running fiber running cable um, isn't able to solve, not cost effectively, not easily, right. not in a timely manner. So th- this is going to change the world for people. And I, you know, I say this isn't about recreation. This is about quality of life. Mm. And I think, uh, you know, going beyond that, I think it's about saving lives, delivering healthcare services and resources and mental health and, uh, you know, virtual care and justice and things like that. Um, quality of life, saving lives, improving, uh, you know, the way that uh, people that don't have access to these resources can now go about their day. So you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in those coordinates as well as E-L-M-N-T-F-M and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest is David Brown. He is the CEO of FSET and it is an internet information technology company based out of Kenora. We're talking about the recent installation that they did in Pekanjikum of SpaceX Starlink technology broadband internet, which in a matter of minutes uh, made a huge difference to the connectivity for that community. David, when you you set this up, were were you surprised at the at the the download speed that you were seeing when you first plugged it in? Uh, I. I was, um, I don't want to say I was surprised because I certainly, uh, I, I'm not going to be uh, someone who's going to bet against uh, Elon uh, more often than not, or hmm. in, in each and every case when he said he's going to do something that hmm. seems, he seems to deliver on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wasn't, <clears throat> I wasn't surprised. I was um, incredibly, I guess, impressed. Hmm. I just, you 
how easy this was, how quick it is, how good the service has been. Um, you know, you, you have an expectation that, hey, I expect that this is going to be good, but it was, it's not good. It's great. It's mm. everything that is being talked about and advertised and then some. And and again, I can't, uh, I think what, what surprises me even more or what I'm more impressed by is that this is just the start, you know, to some people, this is where they want to get to, right? right? This is the finish line. If we, if we had this, this would be all I could ever ask for. And I'll never ask for another thing again, but that's not where we are. We're at right. the, we're at the starting line yet. The gun hasn't even gone off. The race hasn't even started. So right. I, where this can go and what this can do and how this can change the world. I, I don't think it can be understated. Um, I don't, you know, I, a lot of talk about 5g, everyone's mm. focusing on 5g and mm. that, that's great for some of the services in the bigger cities and, and more densely uh, populated areas of the world. But the truth is not everybody lives in Vancouver or Toronto or, or uh, some of these other cities in Canada. So for the rest of the country, for the rest of the world, I think, you know, Starlink is the technology that um, uh, really is going to change the lives of, of more people than 5G will. David, what, what kind of service did the community have prior to this? What were they dealing with there? So they had uh, one gigabit of fiber uh, going to a cable plant. The cable plant delivered uh, that bandwidth to 400 plus homes and businesses and a couple thousand residents. So they were collectively sharing one gigabit. And, you know, for many of us in Kenora, Toronto, wherever it might be, we have access to gigabit service uh, to a single home for a single resident and get gigabit service. So they were sharing this. And and I often make the analogy for people to, um, I guess, understand what that might look like. It's kind of like trying to feed a half inch copper water main into a apartment complex or a hotel. Mm. (laughs) And, uh, you know, some or a few people turn on the shower and you got a bunch of people standing there and nobody's getting a shower, right? Yep. So did, did they have a, a connection to the cable plant? Yes. Um, in theory, was there supposed to be internet access? Yes. But in reality, there, there was no access. There was no ability to do anything. They couldn't video conference. They couldn't mm-hmm. talk to family. They couldn't download attachments. They couldn't send email. I mean, it, it just nothing could be done. Um and uh, after a few months of, of trying to explore uh, expanding on that and getting that increased, that bandwidth increased and and uh, not being able to get anywhere, that's that's where the process and, and the start of trying to get a hold of SpaceX uh, came. Right. And now explain this to me because you, you've described it in terms of being able for a, one person to be able to, you know, hook this up on their own. But is this is the link that they now have for the entire community? Is it just for the building that was it was set up? And how is that? How does that system work? Yeah, so we did um, basically when we approached SpaceX and, and once we received the approval, once they came back and said that uh, that this project was going to be approved, um, this was going to be under a private beta. So, uh, you know, it was approved very, very early on. We were hoping to be able to go live by the end of August. Uh, there were a couple of approvals that we needed here in Canada before we could start, and those came early November. So at the time, when we first started talking to the individuals at SpaceX, they said, well, based on the satellites 
that are that that we've launched the coverage the, the location of the cell etc we can start with 60 units um, mm. so we identified 15 units for the businesses and then 45 units for homes and residents so we started with the 15 um, setup installation connectivity of the 15 units uh, and then the uh, community uh, worked on doing the other 45 units so we, we did those the first 15 collaboratively together um, just helping out and um, whatever way uh, we could help out and vice versa. And then we just uh, left it with them and they did the rest of the installations and they're, uh, they're looking for more units already. So, uh, so this is individual uh, sort of service then. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you certainly can get creative with it, for example. So there, there are ways that you could bring a single service in and share that with your neighbor or, mm. or people close by. You could do that by running uh, wired or, or point-to-point type wireless solutions or, or, or Wi-Fi, possibly. Mm. Um, but generally, the principle of it is you get a unit per home, just like you get a cable modem or a fiber modem in your home. Um, certainly in larger facilities. So if you're in a remote location, but you've got a number of programs, as is often the case, you've got one big building, but you've got a number of different programs, a number of different people in different yeah. offices, you could potentially take two of these kits and uh, through link aggregation, basically kind of uh, bond them together. And then through link link aggregation, by combining the two, you could uh, do things like uh, traffic shaping with firewall rules, quality of service, uh, by having voice and video go out one and, and data out the other. Mm. Um, so there's a number of ways you can get creative for bigger facilities to uh, uh, to go from one to two units if, if needed. Right. So how did the community react? How would you say that, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the chief Dean Owen has has commented as well, and he's really hoping for great things that this could provide for his community. I guess even, you know, like like you said, a teleconference with your doctor uh, becomes a lot easier as well for for health purposes, those kind of things, education, all of those advantages. Uh, What would you say that the uh, the reaction was when they saw this? I think Again, I, I've said, uh, you know, in the video in terms of um, how rewarding this project for mm. me was, uh, was based on their reaction, mm. you know, uh, uh, accomplishing something, getting a project done, doing, you know, what you've been asked to do. Um, we've worked on a lot of great projects, a lot of things that are that are rewarding and technically, professionally, you feel like you've accomplished something. But in this particular case, it wasn't. It was about what we accomplished for these individuals specifically. Um, And I've never worked with a community. I've never worked on a project. I've never worked with an individual who's been more excited, more happy about what that work and that project means to them and their community. And, and, um, you know, I I don't know how you can – uh, you know, what could be more rewarding than that? So from, from that perspective, it was just, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was, it was some hard, it was hard work. It, it took a while. Um, you had to knock on a lot of doors t- to right. get there, but, uh, but the end result, um, the amount of fun it was to do something new, something special, something unique to have the people at SpaceX want this to be a success as much as we did, as much as the community did. Uh, it just made it, 
a very, very special thing to be a part of and, and something that uh, I certainly will never forget and, and uh, definitely will go down as, as uh, my favorite project and, and most enjoyable, most rewarding. All right. Uh, cost-wise, uh, you said that other services, high-orbit satellite is very expensive. How does that compare? What, what are, the, are there any numbers you can share with us around this? Yeah, so these these are all publicly available right now. Um, people that are on the private or public beta that have gotten invites. The, the cost of the dish itself is uh, six hundred and forty nine Canadian, I believe. Uh, for individuals signing up, there's a sixty five dollar shipping and handling fee to uh, ship the dish to you, and and again that comes within days, so you're getting your money's worth there. Um, there are different mounts. So if you don't have a flat surface, a deck, a field, something you can stand the, uh, the unit on top of that's level uh, or close to level, uh, there's a couple of mounts for the roofs. Uh, and in this case, that's what we did in Pekanchkin. We used the Ridgeline uh, mount. It's $130 uh, Canadian, but it doesn't require any uh, penetration into the roof. So you don't mm. have to drill into the roof. It just mm. kind of lays on top of a mat that sits on top of the peak of your roof. And then you use some bricks uh, to keep it in place and give it some weight and you're good to go. There's a volcano mount that you can use on the slope of the roof, but it does require drilling into the roof, but they send you everything you need uh, for that. So if you, um, if that's the best use case or best way to do it, certainly you can go that route. Um, so basically, on the high end with the Ridgeline mount, you're looking at, with shipping and handling, $144 a month. When you compare that, though, to you know a rental on a, a cable modem or on a fiber modem, you typically pay a few, six, you know, $12, whatever it is a month, mm. depending on your provider. This works out to be about $12, $13 a month if you break it down over a few years. So, mm. um, you know, I think when you approach it from that perspective, the costs are reasonable. Right. The subscription service itself is $129 a month. Uh, that, however, is you're under no obligation. There's no contract. So therefore, if without a contract, there's no early termination fee. So if you cancel the service, you're not penalized for it. You can, to my understanding, I believe use this seasonally. So you could have a cottage camp residence somewhere that you only spend six months uh, of the year at. You could turn it on for six months and then turn it off for six. And there are no uh, data uh, caps, no overage fees, mm. nothing like that. So, and, you know, a satellite, um, you know, ExplorerNet and some of the other systems, they'll give you that package that says for the first uh, however many megs or gigs that you use we give you this speed but after that it drops down uh, like right down right. and um it, it's not a reliable service you have to pay for the installation in most cases i think it's 99 dollars uh could be more depending on where you live so if you're more than 50 kilometers away there's additional costs and expenses but uh yeah you don't need anybody to install this for you and uh worst case scenario you get a buddy a neighbor someone who can give you a hand um you don't need to point the dish at a specific uh location as long as the dish has a clear view of the sky an unobstructed view of of uh the sky above it will do everything for you yeah i saw that it's self-directing like you said and it's not very big and it looks very lightweight no, it's, uh, I think it's 19 inch. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically a extra large pizza, right? So. <laughs> yeah. And, and lightweight, it looked, I think some, whoever was carrying it, I think we're lifting it with one arm. So it, it is, it's, it's very well built and it, it, um, 
I think in, in some cases when, you know, tip people who have internet access, when you plug this in, turn it on and show it to them, it, it's somewhat anticlimactic for them, right. uh, but certainly not for these other communities. But the thing is just well-designed, well-built. The modem is, is in the dish itself. Mm. Uh, it comes with a, a router that you can use that will provide wireless uh, in your home. Mm. For business use cases, uh, you can uh, use your own security appliance, if you will. So we're doing some of that uh, to monitor and manage some of these remote locations. So we actually provide IT support and things like that uh, through this equipment and uh, works beautifully. It's it's uh, just very well done, very well designed. And uh, we provided a little bit of feedback on maybe some options around the mounts and and um, you know some of the challenges getting uh, some of this stuff up to the far far north, and they've been great. Took the feedback uh, to the people that uh, work there and said, "Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what we can do and what makes sense." So. That's that's wonderful news. That's great to hear. What what a great story! Congratulations uh, on you in in getting this uh, put into the community and bringing this service to them so that they uh, finally have some uh, decent connectivity. Uh, as I'm sure other communities will be very happy to hear about this as well. Uh, one other thing is you were talking there. You said you could you could do this seasonally if you want. There's a lot of uh, variations that you could you could have it is this would this be mobile as well so let's say you had a motorhome or something you, you could install it there and take it with you uh when you're traveling around in the summer or something so that is uh technology that they are working on mm. so the way the way this works for pecanjicum for example is that pecanjicum falls within a certain cell and above okay. that cell there are satellites designated to provide coverage okay. yeah. within that cell so uh, those satellites are activated, enabled, turned on to be able to deliver to transmit and receive data from uh, within the cell where Pekanjikum falls. So the challenge would be is for all cells to be enabled everywhere uh, to be able to do something like that. They are working on technology. I've uh, I've seen some articles and conversations around stuff mm-hmm. with uh, with airplanes, aircraft, etc. Uh, we've certainly had conversations where they said, yes, this can be done around actually taking. Uh, so we do a lot of stuff in law enforcement. We had conversations with agencies in the Caribbean about how we can envision uh, because of the challenges around natural disasters and things like right. that. We can envision rather than the detachment being the detachment. And sometimes you have problems with infrastructure because of storms and things like that. The cruiser or vehicle itself could be the detachment and the hotspot, and you could connect devices to that. So in places where they don't have uh, LTE coverage uh, for their cruisers, they could use this technology for uh, locations where LTE coverage is no longer available because uh, that infrastructure has been crippled because of storms. Um, so certainly I think, you know, truckers, trucks going across the country, uh, trains, mm. uh, motorhomes, anything you right. can, you can envision, uh, they're working on that technology. So, yep. That's, that's wonderful to hear. And, uh, wow, it really sounds like this is going to open up a lot of possibilities in the future. You mentioned, you know, disasters and those kind of things. How, is this affected by weather at all? So we see some performance changes with weather. Uh, again, this is the floor, not the ceiling. It only gets better and improves. Yep. We've had situations where we're talking with Pekanchikum and they got a snowfall and we're checking in and they're, they've had no issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day, I think we had some freezing rain. Yep. Uh, 
uh, and that caused some problems for a couple people, but not uh, not the rest of the unit. So something to investigate to see what's going on there. But I think, you know, maybe it just got more freezing rain than the others because right. the dish runs quite warm. Right. So it melts away mm. uh, any ice or snow or anything oh, yeah. like that. So oh, okay. in it might have just been a case where uh, uh, you know there was more there than it could uh, than yeah. it could work with, and right. uh, yeah. Uh, David, fascinating story. Thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing this with us, and, and congratulations once again. Yeah, thank you, and I just want to say thank you to everyone from the community of Pekanjikum and and uh, the team of people and everyone at uh, at SpaceX for for this technology and uh, for the community for sharing this vision and journey with us. So uh, couldn't have done it without either of them, and. Uh, I'm just really fortunate to be a part of it all. Well, congratulations once again and uh, to uh, to the community as well. And uh, all the best in the future. Yeah, thanks for the invitation and uh, enjoy your day. All right, you too. Take care. That's the voice of uh, David Brown. He's the CEO of FSET, and it is an information technology company based out of uh, Kenora. And we've been talking to him about their installation of uh, SpaceX uh, Starlink broadband internet into Pukhanjikum. Uh And it looks like that's going to be providing a lot of great opportunities, not only for the north, but uh, right around uh, the planet, I guess, in, in so many different ways. So fascinating story. Thank you for listening to Moment of Truth. We really appreciate the fact that you join us each and every day right here on Element FM. I'm your host, David Moses. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.